at the park right around the corner and a uh, great opportunity, think about this, for you to invite somebody who doesn't have a church family, Scott. So who, who do you know, they don't have a church family and they could come and get a free meal. Somebody's talking back to me. That's right. Uh, and get a free meal and get a little taste of Walloon and then you can introduce them to, to some of your friends here. So again, that would be my, uh, my encouragement. Bring somebody next Sunday. We are spending this summer in the book of Proverbs. Uh, we are digging into wisdom that works. We've looked at wisdom from God's word on anger. That was last week, wisdom on the matter of sex. Two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, benefits of wisdom. Four weeks ago on what the fear of the Lord is all about. But we've also uh, been uh, having a summer challenge, which is this. You've been challenged to read one chapter of Proverbs every day between now and the end of August. And uh, today is uh, the 21st of July, so you're supposed to read today Proverbs what? Chapter what? 21, and then tomorrow's July 22nd, you're going to read Proverbs chapter 22. And uh, we've realized that getting God's wisdom on our hearts, our minds, our wills takes effort. It doesn't just happen like this. You're going to have to spend some time marinating our souls and that's been the challenge to get wisdom on our hearts, minds, and souls this summer. So, I have a question, um, and I'll let you decide what pretty good means. But how many of you have accepted the challenge and are making a, a pretty good attempt at reading a chapter a day? Can I see your hands? Pretty good attempt. Yeah. Okay. Nice job. Keep it up. Now, here's the great news. You ready? Those of you who didn't just raise your hand... You can, you can jump on the Proverbs train with us, okay? You're allowed, okay? So either today or tomorrow, you can start joining and making a good attempt at uh, getting God's wisdom marinating in your hearts and your souls. And let's get wiser this summer. And it takes God's word slowly becoming a part of our thinking and our behavior. That's where wisdom begins to grab a hold of us. Today, wisdom that works from Proverbs... We're going to look at uh, the matter of friendship. What does wisdom have to say about your friends? Uh, friendship, here's a definition. A non-romantic relationship, Henry, that's attachment-based instead of function-based. In other words, it's people that you choose, not people that you've been pushed together with, maybe on the job, but this is people that you choose to be around because you enjoy them as friends. Here's what C.S. Lewis said about friendship. Friendship is unnecessary. Friendship like philosophy, like art, it has no survival value. Rather, it's one of those things that gives value to survival. Think on that. Again, it kind of came back door on you and got you, right? It, it gives value to surviving in life. And if you're the type of person, maybe you're one of those who'd say, you know what, Pastor Jeff, I don't really need friends. Or maybe you'd kind of put a spiritual twist. I've heard this one before. I don't need friends because the Lord is my friend. Ever heard somebody say that? 
And, and if that's your thinking here today, I just need to know that that kind of thinking is not biblical. Because that's not the way that you were wired. God has created all of us with a need for relationship. And if you truly don't have a need for relationship, something is broken and needs fixing, okay? Because the truth is, all of us need relationship. First, with God Almighty through His Son, Jesus Christ. We need relationship there first and foremost. And secondly, we, we need daily contact with flesh and blood, with other people. We were all created with a need for friends. Now, having said that, let's just be honest. Some of you here today have a greater capacity, a greater need for friends than others of us. So think of it this way. Uh, your tank, it, it's, it, it holds more gallons for friends. So some of you have a larger uh, friend tank, if you will. But the truth is all of us have that need. All of us were created by God with a need for other people. So, what does the book of wisdom have to say on the matter of friendship? And the truth is, it has a lot to say. Actually, it has a lot more to say than we can cover in one sermon. Um, and just like anger last week, we, we saw that God in his infinite wisdom didn't choose to give us one long chapter and every verse is on the matter of friendship. That's not the way he chose to do it. Instead, he sprinkled verses on friends and friendship all throughout the book of Proverbs. So we're going to have to do some jumping around a little bit. Is that okay? So we'll, we'll do some jumping around. We've got most of the verses on the back of your bulletin. So if you find that, you'll have most of the verses there. Um, Daniel's going to put up two more verses that... Uh, didn't make the bulletin, that was my bad, from uh, Proverbs chapter 27. But most of them you've got right there. So uh, let's discover what wisdom has to say about friendship. Let's stand together and uh, we'll just click through lots of different verses on the matter of friendship. Are you ready? Let's out loud read from God's word. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. The poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Wealth attracts many friends, but even the closest friend of the poor person deserts them. A false witness will not go unpunished, and whoever pours out lies will not go free. Many curry favor with a ruler, and everyone is the friend of one who gives gifts. One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. 
as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. It's a lamp for our feet. It's a light for our path. And Lord, we recognize that today we're living in a really dark world. It's, uh, it's not a happy place most of the time. So Lord, we need your word to uh, shine bright for us so we don't trip and fall and, and hurt ourselves. Lord, thank you for giving us wisdom on the matter of friendship. And Lord, I, I believe you've given us lots of instruction in your book of wisdom because you want us to know clearly what it is you have to say on, on this issue. So, um, Lord, help us to pay attention, and uh, may we become better friends to those folks who are already our friends. Lord, challenge us regarding friendships in our lives that are dangerous and unhealthy and have the potential to harm us deeply. Lord, I would pray even right now for those who are lacking friendships. I, I suspect there are some here today who are lonely, and, I, and I'm asking that you might make it clear to them what needs to happen so that their need of friendship can be met. Show them what they need to do to see friendships become a, a regular part of their life. And Lord, we uh, recognize that we desperately need your wisdom, your word to be alive and welcomed in your church today. So we would do just that. Help us to pay attention. Help us to listen. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to wake up if we're sleepy and worn out. Lord, help us to be alert. Uh, Lord, speak clearly. Your church, we're listening. And Lord, more than your word, we also need the power and the presence of your spirit alive in your church right now. Lord, we invite your spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to come and come in combination with your word together. And may we leave different people today than we came in here. And Lord, the truth is, uh, some of us, we're not ready to uh, hear from your book. And we're not ready to uh, allow your spirit to move in our lives because sin has walled off and is separating us from your presence and your power. So we just want to pause for a moment, and Lord, if there's sin that we haven't dealt with and confessed and taken to the cross, would you make that clear right now? If, if there's something between us and you that's uh, causing us to be separated and walled off from hearing and having you do business, would you make that clear even right now? Words we've said and spoken that shouldn't have been spoken, attitudes that have been displayed that were wrong and sinful. Lord, maybe uh, stuff going on in our thought life, things we've looked at, things we've participated in, Lord, that you call sin. Would you make that clear? And as you do, Lord, uh, we're going to do the U-turn. We're not going to ignore it and lay there any longer. We're going to run to the cross even right now. And Lord, as we approach the cross, we call what you're making clear what you call it. You call it sin. We call it the same thing. 
And we're asking that by the shed blood of Christ, you've already marked our accounts paid in full when we said yes to your son at salvation. Right now we uh, draw on that account and we write the check of confession. Wash and cleanse and tear down those walls between us and Jesus. That we don't want to just go through religious motions today. We, we truly desire an encounter with you, the living God of the universe. And all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said with one voice, Nice job. You may be seated. We're in those two verses that uh, didn't make the bulletin. Um, I could explain to you why they didn't make You don't want to know. No, you don't. Uh, Proverbs 27, 6, if you have your Bible. Um, here's what it says. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And I'm pretty sure, Verlin, that's where that idea of kissing up, you know, you know, people who, you know, they're, they're trying to uh, gain the curry of the brown nosers of the world. That, that's the idea there. Profuses are the kisses of an enemy. Um, but that first part's huge. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And Proverbs 27, 17 says this, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Okay? Here's the idea. You ready? Close friends are people that we invite and allow to get close enough to us. They know us. They know our strengths. They know our weaknesses. They know when things aren't going well. Okay? And, and that's a big part of friendship. Look at verse 6 and verse 17. It says that we need friends that we allow, more than allow, Preston, we invite them, you speak hard truth to me when I need to hear it. You, you even wound me if that's needed and necessary. You come and you speak even hard, difficult to hear truth, because that's what a real friend is all about. We need people because all of us are proud, selfish uh, sinners who are prone to wander. Can I hear an amen there? That was really weak. So I'll give you another run at it, okay? All of us are proud, selfish sinners, and we're prone to be really goofy and wander. Amen? All of us. So I need people in my life that are honest and willing to step up and speak to me when I need to hear it. And so do you. We need those sort of people in our lives. That's a big, vital part of friends, is I need people who I allow to speak hard stuff to me, not always just kissing up and telling me what I want to hear. Because the truth is, there are people in your life, and they're going to tell you, oh, you're so wonderful, and, and, you, and you're so good that your armpits never stink, and you're always wonderful, and it's just not true. Amen? You're just not true. Um, we need to give people permission to speak freely. That's wise. 
And, and some of us, we've got people we call friends, and you would never allow them to speak hard truth to you. You, you would never allow them to tell you the things that you need to hear. Are you ready? They're not a close friend then. Or maybe you, you're one of those people and, and you're saying, I'm not willing to step up and say something hard. I, I'm not willing to say something that's difficult and might hurt or harm you. And therefore, I, I just can't do it. And, and yet I want you to notice something. Look at verse 17. It says, iron sharpens iron. And if you've ever get that in your brain, when iron is sharpening iron, what, what happens, Jim? You, you, there, there's sparks, aren't there? There's friction going on. Jim is a professional sharpener, okay? So, so when you sharpen stuff, there's friction and there's sparks, but that's a good thing, right? Otherwise, you're just dull. To be sharp, you need to allow someone at times to have some friction and, and some really hard, sparking words to be spoken to you. Look at verse 6. Because when a friend wounds you with the truth, it hurts. It's painful. But there's a huge difference. You might want to write this down, okay? Some of you especially. There's a difference between hurting someone and harming someone. Some of us, we won't speak truth because you're afraid to hurt somebody. But they need to hear from you. And there are people who would be willing to speak, but every time they've tried to say something that's hard to hear, you've shut them down. Or maybe you're the type of person, you say something hard, I don't, I'm not talking to you anymore. That's foolish. We need, wisdom says, I need people in my life who are willing to step up and say the hard stuff. Think of it this way. Uh, you got this big old cavity, Okay. Kathy, think about it. You got, you got this big old cath cavity in, in your mouth, and now the dentist takes out the drill. Are you ready? And he's going to go at it in your mouth. And, and is that going to hurt? Yeah, I think so. Um, and yet, if I refuse the hurt, some of us, Henry, we hate the drill and the dentist so much, we put it off, and we put it off for six months. Eh, it doesn't hurt that bad yet. We put it off for a year. Uh, I think I can hold out another six months. And we do. And now that cavity is huge. And now the dentist starts talking, oh, I think you need a root canal and you need a crown. And he's not talking about being a king or a queen, right? He's talking about big bucks. Or maybe if you put it off for another year, Henry, guess what? You just rip that thing right out. You lost, you lost the tooth. Now, now think with me, okay? Is you... When you go and you allow the dentist to drill, it hurts, it's painful, it's uncomfortable, but it's a good thing. And yet, when you were eating the sugar that caused that cavity, did that hurt? What do you think? Preston, did it hurt when you were eating the, the sugary stuff? No, that felt, that was really good. Tasted really yummy when, when I swallowed all that sugar and everything. But the truth is, even though it tasted good, it was harmful to me. Now track with me for a second. Words are just like that. There are a whole lot of words that hurt, but they're good for us. And there are some words, they may sound good, and they're kissing, and they're, oh yeah, but the truth is they're harmful. And we need to realize, I need people, wisdom says, I need true friends that will step up 
and even hurt me when I need to be hurt. Now, hopefully they'll speak words of truth with love, but even so, I need them to be there for me. So here's my question. You ready? Who in your life have you allowed to say hard stuff to you? Who do you have in your life that you've even invited? Hey, when you see me and, and I'm wandering off and I'm being stupid and foolish, please speak up and tell me so. Who have you invited to be that person for you? To not do so, you ready, is foolish. To not do so is not wise. So, so that's the first thing we need to learn about friends. We need friends, but we need friends who are bold. We need friends who are willing to speak up when we need to hear from them. Now let's go to the very first verse on the back of the bulletin, okay? We're going to look at another aspect of friends. Proverbs 13 and verse 20. Here's what it says. Walk with the wise and become, what does it say? For a companion of fools suffers harm. Let that soak in for a minute. Walk with the wise and become wise. So when you hang with wise, mature, godly people, it's contagious. Isn't that good? So when, when I'm hanging with people who are wise and mature and they love the Lord, that has a, an effect of rubbing off on me and it's going to make me wise. But then notice what it says, but a companion of fools suffers harm. I like what Andy Stanley says about this verse. He says, friendships are valuable, but friendships are also dangerous. Did you know that? Friendships are valuable, but friendships are also dangerous. Um, think with me, Scott. The most foolish, dangerous, um, goofy, um, addictive things that you've ever done. Think with me, Dean. What are the things that you look back and you say, I can't believe I did that? Almost always, we did those activities with friends. Have, have you noticed that? We, we were hanging with friends and we had dropped our guard and, and I probably wouldn't have done it on my own, but I did this foolish, dangerous, risky thing because I was with my friends. That's why friendships are wonderful, they're valuable, but they're dangerous. Now, now look again at Proverbs 13, 20. I want you to see it because there's both a promise and a warning here. Walk with the wise and become wise. Promise. Hang with wise people, you're going to get wisdom. It'll just rub off on you, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Warning. What's interesting in this verse, it doesn't say a companion of fools will himself or herself become a fool. It's not what it says. Look at it again. Verse 20. What it says is hang with fools and not eventually you'll become a fool, but hang with fools and eventually you're going to get hurt. Hang around foolish people who are doing and saying foolish stuff, and in due time, you're going to get hurt. Spend enough time with people 
who don't care about consequences. That's a definition of fools. I know what the consequences are. I don't give a rip. Hang with those people long enough, and you will get injured. You will get harmed. Now, many argue this, and I recall Dean arguing this way. Maybe you argue this way, too. Um, I know, Mom, I know, Dad, this person isn't really doing and saying and, and, and going the right direction, but I would never join them in their foolishness. I, I would never do that stuff that they're doing. I wouldn't participate. I wouldn't say those things. I wouldn't go to those places. Anybody recall arguing that way? And, and, and you're just going, therefore, I'm safe and I'm okay because even though I'm, I'm hanging with them, I won't do their stuff. Look again at Proverbs 13.20 because that reasoning is flawed and messed up and, and downright wrong because it says the companion of fools will in time promise, warning, get harmed. You will get bruised. You will get scarred by the foolish behavior of the people you're hanging with. Now, I've talked to enough law enforcement officers to know this. You ready? A good number of people who wind up getting arrested weren't actually active participants, but they were in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong group of fools, if you know what I'm saying. And I'm just telling you, experience has proved this to be true. Hang with fools and in due time, bad stuff will happen to you. A companion of fools will get hurt, will get injured, will have the shrapnel of their foolish behavior hit their lives. Now here's my question. If you're hanging with fools, and Robert, they don't care about themselves, why do you think they'd care about you? Think on that for a second. If you're hanging with fools and they're living foolishly and recklessly and don't care about consequences and they don't think about themselves, why do you think they would care about what might happen to you? Here's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15.33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Isn't that interesting? Don't, don't believe the lie. You're going to be okay. You can have a great... No, no. If you get intimately and closely involved with a friend who's a fool and you hang with him as he's involved in fool, in due time, you will experience harm. You will be hurt. You will be injured. You will have their shrapnel all over you. So, now, here's where it gets interesting. Ready, Penny? Can you hold on? Okay. So, if hanging with fools causes trouble, then we should only hang with wise people, right? So, Christ followers, we should only have as friends other Christians, right? And only have wise, mature, godly people as my friends. And some of you are already thinking, um, but Pastor Jeff, we've been given a mission, right? We've been told to go, and we're told to reach the world and share the good news with Christ and be salt and light in a very dark world. So here's my question. 
How can I do that if you've just said, Pastor Jeff, a companion of fools will suffer harm? Okay? I think we've got to answer that question honestly because um, there's tension there. That's the truth. Um, let me explain it this way. And uh, I got some of this from Pastor David Jeremiah. Ever listen to him on the radio? Great. He's on television. Love it. Turning Point Ministry, radio, television. Encourage you. Listen in. But on his study guide on Proverbs, here's what he said. There's actually four different levels of friendship. Track with me for a minute. There are contact friends. Those are people, after a while, you get to know their name, and you run into them a lot, and you greet them, and you're kind with them, and hopefully you can shine the light of Jesus on them. But, but you really don't talk long to these folks, usually. You just have regular contact with them. Second level of friendship are casual friends. Those are people you have some personal conversations with, Maybe you know a little bit about them, and you talk, and you know about their family. You know that they like the Lions. You know that um, they like the Cubs. They like teams that never win, and you just kind of share the misery there. Um, that's casual, friends, and that's the second level. You don't really go deep with them, but you just kind of talk about the job and their family and sports common interests. Third level of friendship are close friends. Those are people that you share common goals with. Um, Scott, April, those are the people in your community small group. They're your close friends. You share prayer requests. You pray together. You're there for each other. You've you're, uh, you're, you're got common convictions and values. That, that's your close friends. Now listen close. But the deepest level of friendship are the committed friends. Those are the ones that you're there for them and they're there for you no matter what happens. Uh, they're people that you invite. I, if I get off track, you come and confront me. Please, I give you permission, come and speak hard truth to me. Uh, committed friends are people that you look to for advice. Hey, I'm struggling in this area. Tell me, what do you, what do you think? You're looking for godly counsel from these people. These are people you drop your guard with, you're just yourself and they love you for free. Committed friends. Okay, now here's the point. The deeper you go into friendship with people, the more you have to be wise. And, and I would argue it this way. If you're brand new in Christ, you especially have to be careful about having foolish people in that third and fourth level of friendship. You tracking with me? Because these are people you're, you're, you're sharing values with, you're, you're hanging with them, you're inviting them to advise you and give me counsel. And, and I'm telling you, especially when you're new in Christ, probably need to keep the, the goofy, we would call them foolish friends, people who don't know Christ yet and they're off running, keep them in that first and second level of friendship. Does that make sense? And, and as you grow... As you mature in Christ, you can probably even include uh, wisely some folks who don't know Jesus. Don't and again, you're going to get closer so you can share Christ uh, more clearly, more regularly, even in that third level. But listen, I'm telling you, that fourth level, you reserve that for only people who are mature and wise and godly. 
these are people that I can count on, and and we've got the same goal, and that's Jesus Christ and the cross. Does that make sense? So, So again, you've got the tension here. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says this, Come out from among them and be separate. (laughs) Touch not unclean things, and the Lord says, and I'll receive you. So stay clean, stay holy. And then Matthew 28.19 says, Go into the world and make disciples in all the nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey. Henry. That seems like you're saying, go left, go right. Um, And I'm telling you, how do I go into a dark and sinful world and yet stay clean and stay separate? And the answer is, you ready? Here's the answer. We've got to do it very wisely, prayerfully. And who your friends are matter. And if you've got people in your life and they're continually dragging you into sin and sinful places and sinful behaviors, listen closely, then you've allowed them too deep in the level of friendship in your life. Maybe you need to back them off a bit, okay? And you need to grow in Christ before you can start handling that and suddenly now you're not hanging with them and suddenly now getting the shrapnel from their foolish behavior. Finally, I want to look at the most important friendship in all of our lives. Go back to the, uh, the bulletin with me, because we've listed that, uh, that final verse we're going to look at. Matthew, excuse me, Matthew, Proverbs 18 and verse 24 says this. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to... You've got to have friends that you can count on. But I love this part. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friendship with someone who's always going to be there for you. There is a friendship with someone who's never too tired, never too busy, never too sleepy. They never go on vacation. They're always available, even in the middle of the night. And who is that friend who sticks closer than a brother? Anybody know? Who is that? We're talking about Jesus here. He is that friend that sticks close. In John 15, verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But Jesus says, But I have called you friends. Friends. You're my friend. Which means the God of the universe, the creator of the cosmos, Colossians chapter 1, says, I'd love to have a personal, daily friendship with you. And everybody who's here today, here's what you need to know. The most important friendship in life starts with a personal friendship with Jesus. The most important friendship, the friendship that changes everything, the friendship that actually makes you able to be a great friend to others It starts with Jesus Christ. Here's what John 15 and verse 13 says. Greater love has no one than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. And did you know that's exactly what Jesus has done for you? Jesus laid down his life so that you and I can have a personal friendship with him. 
That wasn't possible until Jesus went to the cross. Sin separated us from a friendship with Christ. And yet Jesus willingly, lovingly took our place, laid down his life for us so that we could be his friend. That's where real friendship begins. It begins at the cross, and it begins when you invite Jesus to be your forever friend. So here, here's my question. Have you done that? Have you invited Jesus to be your forever friend? Have you allowed Jesus Christ to take charge of your life? Have you been to the cross and said, thank you, Lord, for taking my place, for laying down your life so I could be your friend? That's friendship. Have you been there? Or, or maybe you're here today and you say, yeah, I, I did that a long time ago, Pastor Jeff. But, but it's kind of grown a little stale. It's grown a little lukewarm. It's gotten a little stagnant. And that's the reality. If you don't keep that friendship hot and alive, it's exactly, it grows distant. And pretty soon, he feels far away. And maybe you're here, and maybe the truth is, your relationship with Jesus, your friendship's kind of lukewarm. You ready for good news? Ready, Cash? If you'll just turn and move towards Jesus... He'll come running towards you. Now, draw near to Jesus, James says, and he'll draw near to you. So if you're there and you're lukewarm and you're thinking, you know what? It's been a while. It's kind of stagnant. It's kind of cold. I got good news today. All you got to do is kind of just turn and draw near, and he'll refocus and recharge and reheat that friendship with you. How are you doing when it comes to Jesus? That's where real friendship lies. That's what real friendship is all about. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. So with your eyes closed, quietly, would you be willing to ask the Lord, how am I doing in my relationship with your son? How is that friendship going today? Is it hot? Is it alive? Is it vibrant? Is it growing? And I'm telling you, if that's where you're at today, rejoice. <laughs> rejoice that the Lord Jesus is willing and excited to meet with you daily. He loves to commune with you. He, he loves to have that friendship every day reignited. Keep up the good work if that's where you're at. But the truth is, some of you are here, and, and maybe it's uh, kind of lukewarm. It's grown uh, a little stagnant. It's, uh, it's no longer alive and vibrant like it once was. And maybe today you need to say, Lord, uh, I, I need to do some turning and running towards you, and you'll run and meet me. Isn't that good news? Even though you've been lukewarm and you've wandered and you've strayed and maybe... You've been participating in stuff that's just real ugly. If you'll just kind of right now where you're at, I'm not going to lay here anymore. I'm not going to stay far away anymore, Lord. I'm going to come running back home to you, and you're going to run and meet me. And Jesus will love you, and he'll forgive you, and he'll reignite that friendship. 
But he's not going to make you do that. He's going to wait for you to turn and start walking toward him, and he'll run and meet you right where you're at. Anybody say, right where I'm at, Lord, meet me. It's growing a little lukewarm, a little stagnant. Would you pray for me, Pastor Jeff? I'd love to pray for you. Anybody? That's me. Yep. Anybody else? Been busy, been active, been crazy. Lots of reasons, but today, Lord, I'm going to do that U-turn run to you. Yes. Anybody else? He's, he's going to meet you. Just picture in your mind, he's running right now to meet you right where you're at. He loves you that much. That's what an amazing friend Jesus is. Lord, I pray for my friends who just honestly, humbly lifted their hand and reignite that love and reignite that passion to be daily with your son Jesus. Help us to find time for your book. Help us, Lord, to find time to commune with you. And Lord, help us to walk in love, strong, hot, growing, vibrant love. Finally, I want to ask, could be that you're here today and you know about Jesus and you, you like Jesus, but when we talk about a personal friendship, coin-in-the-air relationship with Jesus, you're thinking, I, I, I don't think I even know what that means, Pastor Jeff. I, I don't think I even understand what that's all about. It may be that you're here and you've never said, I do by faith. You've never had the love of Jesus ignite your life. And if that's you, I'd love to introduce you to Christ. Anybody say, that's me. I've never, never been to the cross, never said yes. I need to do that today, yeah. Is there anybody else? Today, by faith, I need to say yes. I want that love of Jesus Christ flowing into my life. Anybody in the balcony, anybody, first time, not done that before, but right now by faith. Here's the good news. Um, you don't have to walk an aisle or sign a card or, or uh, do anything other than right where you're at. Say, Jesus, I believe you took my place on the cross. <laughs> it starts with belief. Jesus, I believe you shed your blood for my greatest problem, and I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I believe that you took my place in the, in the tomb. You, you, you took my place because you were dead and you shed your blood. But Jesus, I also believe that you didn't stay dead because early on Sunday morning you arose. And you defeated sin and Satan and death. And Jesus, you did that for me. I believe that. And today I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, my friend. Ignite that friendship in my life. Come take charge of my life. Be my king, my boss, my lord. I'm following you all the days of my life. That's how you go from cold to hot. It's that personal relationship with Jesus. Lord, thank you again for the cross. Thank you for the friendship of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Everything that we enjoy starts there and flows from there. Help us, Lord, to stay hot in our walk and in our relationship with your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray all these things. Amen. If you're here and uh, things aren't going well, or maybe you just raised your hand and you need to talk with somebody about that, maybe you need somebody to pray for you and what you're going through. Prayer chapel's open.
We've got some folks that'll meet with you over there. Even while we stand and sing the final song, you can make your way over there. We've got a team of folks that would love to pray with you and pray for you. Let's close by singing one final song together.